the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory Glory to you, Lord Christ. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise be to you, Lord Christ. Good morning. It's wonderful to see you all here this morning on this third Sunday in Advent, as Craig mentioned. Joy Sunday, Gaudete Sunday. Will you please pray with me? Father, we ask now as we come to your word that the words of my mouth this morning, that the meditation of all of our hearts in this room would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord. You are our strength. You are our redeemer. So, Father, take your word and by your spirit implant it into our hearts, into our souls, the very marrow of our bones, that we might be changed to become more like your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray this morning. Amen. Our sermon series throughout Advent has been called Life Between Two Advents, and we've been spending most of our time focused here in our New Testament passage that Gail read for us from 1 Peter, and we've talked about the exile realities of 1 Peter and anticipation of Christ's second coming, and last week Tim talked about the exile identity, and today we're going to look at the exile community, that is the church, and what characterizes this community, what characterizes the church, what it is supposed to do between these two advents. And we're going to look at two ideas out of these three passages. We're going to do that rather quickly because Tim is also going to come here after the sermon and give um, an update on our capital campaign. But these two points this morning are oaks of righteousness and awake and a work. Oaks of righteousness and awake and a work. This term, oaks of righteousness, it comes from Isaiah 61 here, our Old Testament reading. is a passage about Jesus' first advent, his first coming into the world. And Jesus, in fact, quotes this exact same passage in Luke chapter 4, when he begins his ministry in his hometown in Nazareth there. He says everything that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, and also that all the things that is listed here in Isaiah 61, he is doing. He is bringing good news. He is bringing liberty. He is bringing release from captives. He is bringing the year of the Lord's favor, gladness and praise instead of mourning and ashes. He is bringing righteousness and relationship with God. But now notice this here in verse 4 in Isaiah 61. Why? So that all those who receive these good things from the Lord, who have been released, those who have been given freedom, who have the favor of the Lord, is so that they may be called oaks of righteousness. Oaks of righteousness. That is what the Lord is intending to do with his people, to make them oaks of righteousness. I remember coming down here to Austin about 11 years ago, and uh, I was coming from Dallas, and Tim was driving me around. He was trying to convince me to come down here and become a pastor at All Saints. And 
we were driving on Mopac and Southwest Parkway. And I remember looking around and going, where are all the homes? Like, I thought this was a relatively large city. And like, where do people live? And then, of course, we got off of Mopac and I realized, oh, there's just trees in this city, unlike in Dallas. That's the main difference. And all of a sudden, I realized all these homes were being sheltered and covered and beautified by these lovely oaks here in Austin. And that's the picture from Isaiah 61. In Christ's first advent, you, his people, the church, are planted by the Lord in order to become oaks of righteousness, sheltering, beautifying, multiplying, and protecting. And what do these oaks do? They do righteous things. Well, what does righteousness do? It doesn't destroy. It doesn't rip up. It doesn't discard. It doesn't break down. No. What does it do in verse four here? These righteous oaks, these people of righteousness, they repair, they build up, they raise up, they fix the broken. They resurrect the good things that have been allowed to die. They salvage what is forgotten and what is abandoned, but should never have been forgotten and never abandoned. You know, sin is the opposite of this. Sin is always inherently inward, inwardly focused. It's always in the end destructive and disabling. It always brings death. But righteousness, righteousness is always going out. It's always outward focused. It creates life. It creates good for others. Building even as the end of verse four here says for many generations down the line into the future, creating something that lasts for others. That's what oaks of righteousness do. And I love this phrase here. They're the planting of the Lord. They're planted by the Lord. Do you think about that? regards to yourself. You are the planting of the Lord. You know, you didn't come to this church by happenstance or accident. God put you here. God planted you in this community. He planted you in this church in order that you might grow to become a mighty oak. So are you doing that? Are you growing in that way, or are you asleep and distracted? See, Isaiah is about Christ's first advent. Our gospel reading that Craig read to us from Mark 13, it captures the experience of the church between the two advents in the time we are living in now. Right, The master of the house is away, and he's going to return. We don't know when he will return. We believe and trust that Jesus will return, but Notice even in Mark 13, it says not even the angels or even the son knows when he is going to return, even the father. And so our temptation in between the two advents, while we are waiting here now, our temptation is to become distracted, sleepy with temporary things, earthly things, not insignificant, not unimportant, but distracted so that they become all we pay attention to, having our spiritual attentions diluted, having our spiritual fervor dissipated asleep and distracted. When I was a kid, occasionally my mother would go into town to go grocery shopping. We lived out in the country and she would leave the house and she would give jobs to me and all of my siblings to do while she was gone. Just like the master departing the house in Mark 13, you know, I would clean the kitchen. My sisters would clean the bedrooms. My brother would clean the living room, something like that, so on and so forth. And now as soon as my mother would leave, what do you expect that we did? We turned the TV on so we could watch TV. 
And the TV was right by the window that looked down the mile-long dirt road outside of our house. So we could sit down, watch the TV, and keep one eye on the window. So and you know what this is like if you live out in the country and know like a dirt road like this. We could see the dirt cloud building in the distance miles away. And we'd be like, oh, mom's on her way back. Quickly turn off the TV. Let's get all of our work done as fast as we can or finish what we were doing half-heartedly. Sometimes, though, of course, we would get so distracted by whatever the show was that we were watching on TV and not see the dust cloud. And then my mother would come into the house and find that none of the work that she had signed us to do was done. Of course, then we were in trouble. In fact, I actually remember a couple of times where she just went over and took the power cord of the TV and took scissors and just cut it. (laughs) Okay. She did not mess around. But let me ask you this. What is distracting you right now from attending to the eternal work that God has given you to do? What is taking up your mental and emotional energy that you don't have any left over for him, for your family, for the church, for others? Are you lounging spiritually on the couch, watching TV while the work that you have been given to do goes undone or done poorly or done half-heartedly? Six times here in Mark 13, it's repeated, stay awake, stay awake, be on your guard. What does it mean to stay awake and be on your guard? Well, part of it is verse 34 here that when the master departs, he gives jobs to all of the servants in the house. You have been given a job to do between the advents. The church has a job to do between the advents and you do as well. Are you doing it or have you become sleepy and distracted? I notice the overlaps here between Mark 13, our gospel passage in first Peter, the new Testament. Peter says the end of all things is at hand. In other words, the dust cloud is on the horizon. Mark 13 says, stay awake, be on your guard. And Peter says something very similar in verse seven at the beginning, be self-controlled and sober minded. It's the same idea. It means be ready for action, not dozing, not unattentive. It's this Tim mentioned last week about this word sober minded. It means to be girded up, ready for action. Are you ready for action? Spiritual action. Peter says to be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Your prayer is the avenue or the road of spiritual attention. If we are dozing and distracted, we will not be attending spiritually, realizing and seeing what God is doing in us, what God is doing around us. And just as the servants of the house in Mark have been given a job to do, Peter says much the same thing. Here in verse 10, he says, we have all received gifts from God and you are to steward those gifts as varied graces from God. That is all of us have in some measure been given a gift from God and we are to steward it. It's different than others, but it's particular to us. So are we using and stewarding it gift for the sake of others, for others? Notice these characteristics that Peter lists here and explains in first Peter chapter four, all of them are focused outward towards others. Earnestly, above all, earnestly love one another with a love that covers over a multitude of sins. This doesn't mean a love that excuses or overlooks sin, but rather a love that is looking always to forgive, to endure stings and wounds and hurts from others in the community by determining that love will salve those wounds, that love will cover and bind them up so that for the sake of remaining in relationship with others. Hospitality, without grumbling, is what Peter mentions next. Obviously, hospitality means bringing others into your life, into your home, giving of yourself and giving of your things with others. 
These two things, they're both other focused. And so here, let me give you an example of this. I think within a year of the Chapmans, Craig and Drew moving here to Austin, they offered to host a young adults event at their home and in their pool in their backyard. And I was leading the young adults ministry at that time. And I brought our kids with us, all three of our kids. And of course I was trying to connect with people and say hello and shake hands. And it was hard to do with three kids running around me. And so Craig said, you know, I got, I got this. Let me take your kids. We'll take them into this room and put on a show and they can watch a show and you can, you know, do your ministry stuff here. They put them into, uh, Oliver goes into the room and all of our other kids, Addie and Elliot, and Oliver just happened to be feeling a little sick that day. And he happened to eat a bunch of watermelon, too much watermelon, in fact. And the room that our kids ended up in was a room that had a newly installed seesaw carpet. And Oliver threw up five or six times in five or six different places with this bright red watermelon vomit all over this new seesaw carpet. I don't know if you know what sea salt carpet is, but it's actually incredibly hard to clean. And me and a couple of young adults spent 30 minutes trying to clean it up and get rid of this redness, and we just couldn't do anything for it. And I apologized profusely to Craig, and I told him, listen, I'll pay for the cleaning, I'll pay for whatever needs to be done. And Craig said, no, he said he would cover it. I think actually they ended up having to replace the entire carpet, (laughs) I don't know. Do you know how many times I have heard about this in the last five years from Craig? <laughs> Not even once, actually. Not even in a joke. And do you know how many times we have been over to the Chapman's home with our kids and other kids? Countless, countless times. Love covering over sins and wrongs. Hospitality without grumbling. Of course, I'm bragging on Craig and Drew here, but I could have bragged on many of you in our congregation who have done and do that consistently. But notice Peter's final summation here. He sums everything up by saying, in what you speak and in what you serve, in other words, in word and in deed, speak as if you speak the very words of God, serve as if you serve the very strength of God, then in everything you do, in word or in deed, as Paul says in Colossians, then Peter says here, then in everything God is glorified through Jesus Christ through Jesus Christ. It's a curious phrase. You hear Peter saying, if you're united to Jesus by faith and by baptism, then what you do and what you say and what the church does and what the church says, it participates in the work of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit so that our words and deeds, they become the very words and deeds of Jesus Christ himself by the Spirit. And what we do then, united to Christ, glorifies God the Father. This is how the exile community, the church, you become oaks of righteousness, covering, sheltering, protecting and beautifying the world around you for others, building and repairing and restoring what has been destroyed in people's lives and around you for others, expanding the goodness of Jesus Christ and his exile community to the world between the advents. So look down the room. The dust cloud is building. You can see it. Stay awake. Stay awake and become the oak of righteousness that you were planted to be. Amen. Father, we do ask that you would enable us as a people to become mighty oaks of righteousness, that you would fill us with your spirit, that we, even as you have 
extended yourself to us in love and covered our sins through your son Jesus and his work upon the cross. And you've extended your very eternal hospitality to us. May we, having received that from you, give it to others. We pray this in the name of your son Jesus. Amen.